0: All right, guys, what book are we in today? Galatians, yes, say that with a little more confidence. Galatians! (laughs) Yes, Galatians. Let's go ahead and open up to Galatians chapter 6. As you guys know, we finished chapter 5. I was going to say yesterday. We finished chapter 5 last week. Let's go ahead and say an amen when you guys are at Galatians chapter 6. Amen, Jocelyn, good job. Amen, thanks. Sarah? Tiffany, thank you. Sorry? All right. Um, are we all in Galatians chapter 6? Yes,
1: sir.
0: Cool. Amen. All right. Let's go ahead and get started, guys. I know there's some chit-chat going around, but let's try to give this time 100% to the Lord. Um, we're going to go ahead and read from verses one to six in Galatians chapter six it says brothers and sisters if someone is caught in a sin you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ if anyone thinks they are something when they are not they deceive themselves their own actions then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in this world should share all good things with their instructor. Okay, so this is is almost a perfect transition into what we went over last week. Who can tell me what was like one of the main topics that we went over last week? (laughs) Except Luis, who taught. (laughs) Somebody, somebody, very popular, commit to memory huh? <laughs> sexual morality yeah but more more generally the fruit of the spirit or the works of the flesh um, you guys don't have to turn although it's probably a page behind you but just a, a quick recap paul closes off chapter five by going over the works of the flesh and by Acknowledging that in denying those things, in denying those aspects of our life, those temptations of our life, when we say no to ourselves and when we say yes to the spirit, we are no longer a part of of sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. When we are not a part of those things, when we disassociate ourselves from those things, we reap what is called the fruits of the Spirit, or reproduce what is called the fruits of the Spirit, which he calls love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So Paul closes chapter 5 by, by reminding us that, that when we have this whole spectrum of things that we can be doing on our own, these selfish ambitions, these selfish desires that we can choose to do on our own, when we deny those things, we get to be a part of something greater, the fruits of the Spirit, producing fruit to this world, producing light in this world that is necessary because we are in a world without much fruit and without much light. But further down, he, he gives us a transition, verse 25 in chapter 5. He says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So essentially, Paul is saying, you who have been reborn in Christ, you who have been baptized and, and received the Holy Spirit, you who have this new creation um, in you from Jesus, keep in step with that. You know, Don't lose track, don't lose heart, don't lose your energy. Keep in step with the Spirit. And he goes on in verse 26, says, let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. And it seems like kind of, like he's he's kind of throwing a curveball there. He's talking about, you know, live by the Spirit, yes, holiness, yes, awesome, but don't get conceited, and don't provoke envying each other, or don't provoke people and don't envy each other. And he and he's, he, segues, he segues into chapter six with that because he's saying, you know, as you grow, and as you grow by the Spirit, and as you have the Lord um, restore you and, and transform you, there are other people who might grow a little more faster than you, or who might grow slower than you. And he said, don't be conceited or don't provoke and envy each other. You know? Don't be conceited of how fast you're growing and how, how great the spirit is working in you, you know, compared to someone else. Or on the contrary, if you're not growing as fast as maybe you want to grow or if you're not growing as fast as you see your brother or sister growing, you know, don't provoke them and don't envy them. And this is how he transitions into chapter 6. He gives an example of how that might come about. He says, brothers and sisters, verse 1, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. And Paul says this: you know, he's saying, you, a believer, a born again Christian, or a born again human who didn't know Christ yet, you—if you see someone in a sin, restore them gently. Don't point your finger at them. Don't laugh at how they got themselves into a mistake of how they've fallen restore that person he's essentially saying you know make sure they're okay but i want to take a little bit of time and actually talk about exactly what paul is asking us to do as believers a lot of time pe- people think that when someone falls in a sin it's just okay to pray for them you know mm-hmm. it's just okay to send out a text and be like hey man i know you're going through some stuff or girl um, i'm praying for you god bless you those are good things you know reaching out to them um, extending a hand to pray for them But in reality, Paul is is telling us that we should be doing much more than that. And I feel like as a church, as a body, as as a whole group of people under Christ, a lot of us fail at that. We fail at understanding what really restoring someone who's in sin means. Um, The Greek word for the word restore is katartiso. Katartiso. And it literally means to mend or repair what was broken, you know? to mend or repair what was broken. Let's picture you have a broken vase on the floor and you walk by and you're like, man, I hope that gets fixed, you know, and walk away. That's not catartiso, that's just feeling bad, right? That's just in, um, in a sympathy towards that broken vase. But catartiso would be you coming up, getting on your knees, putting each of those pieces together and restoring it, making sure it's fixed. And that is our job as, as, as followers of Christ, as brothers and sisters, when we see someone who has fallen. Imagine, you're, imagine someone walking in a path, you know, that narrow path Jesus wants us to walk, you know, which is good. It's straight and narrow, there are no distractions, but when we turn around and when we get ourselves distracted, we don't see that the enemy puts like a hole in front of us and we fall inside, right? You fall inside this pit that you can't get out on your own because you've fallen too far, you've fallen too hard, and you're injured and you need help. How would you feel if someone walked by you and looked at you and said, you know what, dude, like, I'm praying for you, man. I hope you get out of there soon. we got a lot of people praying for you. You know, here's some great verses of encouragement. Um, you know, take that and you, hopefully you get better. Like, what would you think? Would you think that's enough help on, your, on their part? Or would you think they should be doing something more to bring you out of that hole? That's essentially what Paul is saying here. He's saying, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, like you, Christian, should restore that person gently. Restore them them, bring them up out of that pit it's it's no longer necessary just to extend an arm but it's necessary for you to grab hold of them and pull them out but he warns us in the second part of that verse he says but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted right he's given us like this warning of of when you want to help someone who's fallen in, and when you want to help someone who's made a mistake he goes watch yourselves because you may be tempted also and it might seem a little counterintuitive because it's like well i want to make sure they're they're fixed right god i want to make sure that they're that they're whole but there becomes a point when that person is is becoming a distraction in your life and i'll give you an example um, a lot of you guys know my sister jasmine i've asked you guys to pray for her i've asked you guys to reach out to her and um, some of you guys actually have and which is awesome um, me on my part when, uh, when she first she first got she got baptized about a, a i want to say maybe two or three years ago and she committed her life to Jesus, and it was amazing, you know, she would come into my room, she would ask me questions, and I would, in that aspect, help restore her, you know, whatever I was doing, if I was working on a set list for worship the next day, or if I was working on a study that I needed to give, I would put that aside, I would talk to her, and I'd say, yeah, what do you need, what do you need, Jasmine, because you're obviously a lot more important right now than anything else I need to do. She would ask me questions, um, you know, like, you know, i feel i feel stressed out i feel like 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 this was a mistake that i made because my life is just getting worse and you know it's like well those are just general things that happen when you become a christian the enemy doesn't like that you know the the stuff that that literally goes on and i, I help restore her in that way as a jasmine you gotta keep going strong you know if you if you did anything else like I'm, I'm here for you you know and we'd pray together i'd reach out to her and we'd go out to eat and i'd talk with her and i would i would be physically there for her until there came a point where uh um, She no longer wanted to know anything about Jesus. She straight up told us um, that she was done with it, that she wanted no part of the Lord, that she wanted no part of us talking about the Lord with her, that she wanted no part of us praying for her or encouraging her. She literally put a a wall between us and her spiritually and she put herself in a hole, you know. As much as I want to go out and, and grab her hand and reach her, because she's made that conscious decision to say no and to ignore anything that I do, I'm, by reaching out to her as much as I want to, I'm in danger of falling into that hole with her because I'm no longer becoming useful in things that God wants me to do. If I waste a lot of time trying to focus on someone who has deliberately said no to the Lord and said no to me and to my parents, then I'm wasting time that I could be doing for someone who might benefit from my spending time with them. You know, and that's kind of what Paul is saying here. Is like, be careful or you guys might also fall with them. You know, you might think you're doing good, but in reality, there's there's a there's a distorted aspect of that where you spend too much time with someone who doesn't want your help. You know, you're laying on the ground, reaching into that hole for them to for them to grab you, and they're just sitting there looking at you and saying, No. You know, like you're not gonna sit there forever, right? Because you walking your own path is not being fruitful. You know. And he gives us, Paul gives us kind of three ways to make us sure that we can be that for somebody, that we can restore someone gently, that we can be there for that person and do it wisely. The first one, he gives us a characteristic of, of who to be, of how to be, and it's patience. And we see that again in, in verse one at the end, it says, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Gently, As a key word, gently. You don't just throw a verse at them you don't just toss them a, uh, one of those uh, what, what do you call those uh, vitamins that we used to have you know those little no, no it's just like um, there's like little papers with verses on them yeah like, you don't just toss them in like, here you're, like hopefully that'll help you like we store them gently if you see a broken egg on the floor Uh, with a shell cracked it hasn't broken yet if the shell is cracked you're not just going to grab it and put it in like this steel pot right you're going to you're going to carry it gently you're going to lay it in somewhere somewhere soft and and watch it and and well if you're a farmer you're going to watch it and you're going to make sure that the chicken side is still okay right you're not just going to grab it the same thing we have to have patience when it comes to restoring a brother or sister we need to have patience when it comes to being with someone who has fallen in a way that where they've made a mistake um Number two, he calls us to have humility, and we read that in verses two to three, he says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. He's telling us to carry each other's burdens. uh, The simplest definition that I could find for burden was literally just anything that's out of your way. Anything that's out of your way. You're walking somewhere, Any little thing that's out of your way is considered a burden, whether it's a big thing, whether it's a tiny thing, whether it's out of your way by uh, 20 miles or by one inch. A burden is a burden, no matter how big, small. And he's saying, carry each other's burdens. For someone to have fallen in a hole, you walking your path and seeing that person there in a hole, it's a burden for you to stop what you're doing, to stop in a way your walk with the Lord to make sure that person is okay, right? It's a burden that sometimes seems unnecessary why would I need to stop what I'm doing? Why would I need to stop um, preparing a set list for worship when that's the ministry God has called me in? Why do I need to stop preparing a a sermon when God has given me an opportunity to teach, to help someone who has put themselves in a hole? Why do I need to do that? And Paul says, well, because in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. There's a reason behind us stopping what we're doing. There's a reason behind us denying our own flesh to help somebody out. A couple weeks ago, we went over the law of Christ, fulfillment of the law of Christ. And what did we that was the law of christ what is the fulfillment of the law of christ love right he gave me this thing like i love you in sign language i love you um love but not just love but it specifically says loving your neighbor as yourself right stopping what you're doing to help someone else who's who's put themselves in that hole it is loving them how you would want to be loved because imagine if you were in that pit and people just walked by you throwing you verses and throwing you prayers it's not going to help bring you out. It might encourage you a little bit, but it's physically not going to pull you out of that hole. And Paul's saying, yes, carry that person's burden. Help restore them in a way that is out of your way. Carry that person's burden because you will fulfill the law of Christ in that aspect. Be humble, you know. Don't use it as an opportunity to exalt yourself because in verse 4, he said, or verse 3, he says, if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves how easy is it for you or for me to say you know what i'll hop you out of this hole but you owe me next time how is that for me to do for us to do you know to kind of put points on on good things that we do or bad things that other people do like man remember that time a year ago like you totally messed up bro and i had to stop like days i, I didn't go to work because i had to be with you right like i missed a whole eight hour shift like i missed however much that was going to pay me because i had to spend time with you and you can't you can't give me 20 bucks for gas like how messed up is that Like, that would be pretty prideful on my end, right? That would be pretty bad on my end to use that person's failure in my helping them as an excuse to exalt myself and as an excuse to put them down again. It says, if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Why? Because we ourselves have been in those holes before also. When Christ first reached out to us, we weren't living a perfect life. We're still not living a perfect life. We were in our own holes, weren't we? We were. We were lost. We were... Uh, at least I was. Some of you have grown up in church, and that's awesome, but still without perfection. In my case, I was totally lost. I was so part of the world, I thought that was, like, the thing. You know, I was, I was totally obsessed with doing what I wasn't supposed to be doing. I was totally in a place where I thought God would never see me or never find me. I was in this massive hole, and God, in a way, stopped what he did, what he was doing, to reach out to me and call me. Right? He humbled himself to reach out to me, to reach out to all of you when you were in that hole. Right. Romans three twenty three says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is something that we need to remind ourselves with when we when we want to have this prideful thinking, you know, like, how can that person do that? You know, how can that person have, have done this to themselves and they put themselves in, in this hole and now I gotta go help them? Remind yourselves, Romans three twenty three, we have all been there. We've all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. First one was patience. Second one was humility. The next one is, we need to have a pure heart. Verse 4 says, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without carrying, without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. That's verses 4 to 5. Each one should test their own actions. Let's stop right there. Each one should test their own actions. Paul is saying, he's not saying, follow your heart. You know, because the Bible says, you know, the heart is deceitful and wicked above all else who can know it. You know, we don't even understand our own hearts, but something that we can understand about our character, about our decisions, is our intent behind those decisions, is our reason why we make certain decisions. Whether they're good intentions or whether they're bad intentions, Paul is saying, make sure your intentions, make sure your actions um, are in check, are kept in check before you decide to reach out to somebody. Yeah, you know, kind of falling back into what he was saying previously. If you, in your heart, are reaching out for, to this person so that you can use it against them later, don't even do it. Don't even do it because you're gonna you're gonna put a bad fruit next to a bad fruit, and nothing's gonna grow from that. Nothing's gonna be produced in that way. Paul's saying, check your heart. It's a heart check that he's asking us to do. Because then they can take pride in themselves alone, without comparing themselves to someone else. And I wanna kind of ask, kind of ask you guys, what is what does your heart check look like in when you make decisions? Not just in helping somebody, but in anything you do, what does your heart check look like? I'll give an example. For, for me as a worship leader, a lot of my heart checking is um, why I pick the songs that I pick. You know, Whether I'm praying for the set list or whether a song comes up in my, in my head and I know it's God in my, in my mind. One of my heart checks is why am I putting this set list together? Why am I, am I leading worship with these songs? What I have to make sure is that I'm not picking a song because there's this falsetto in it that I can hit because I've been practicing and I wanna show it to you guys, like how good I can sing. It's not because the, the chords are complex, and I wanna show you how much better I've gotten on the guitar. You know, It can't be because the lyrics are, are poetically beautiful and, and they make no sense with the Bible, but those lines are like really dope and like it sounds really cool with the, with the melody behind it. You know, Those are horrible intentions for me, right? <laughs> you're laughing. Those are horrible <laughs> intentions for me, right? But my heart check really needs to be, okay, God, why am I going to sing this song? You know, why am I going to put this together? Or if I'm preparing a sermon, am I going to just look up random wise sayings and hope that you guys are going to tweet them out so like, oh, and I'll this really cool line. You're like, No, that's, that's not what it should be. You know? it's not what, what pastors should do. That's not what worship leaders should be going after. Um, even you guys who who serve in a different ministry or even don't serve what is your heart check behind when you reach out to someone what is your heart check behind when you want to pray for somebody what is your heart check like when you want to go and preach the gospel is it to kind of make points in front of god and say look i spoke to this person today like not you should love me a little more right you should give me that ps4 or whatever is out right now um you know like what what do our intent what are the intents behind our actions what do they look like what are we doing with our own heart check and he says when you do that then you can take pride in yourself alone without comparing yourself to someone else and he finishes in verse five says for each one should carry their own load for each one should carry their own load and it kind of goes back to to verse one because paul's for, it kind of doesn't make sense right now because paul is saying you know carry each other's burdens right go out of your way to carry someone's burden and restore them but now he's saying well, each one should carry their own load there's a difference between a burden a load a burden is something you carry outside of your way but a load is something that god puts on you because he wants you to carry it right a load is something god puts on you because he wants you to carry it for a specific purpose whether for growth whether for maturity or uh, for wisdom whatever it is whatever god physically puts on you is a load and whatever is outside of your way is a burden and paul's making that distinguishment right there he's saying don't confuse any little thing that you do as a burden because no you have your own Load to take care of He's reminding us like it says in verse one watch yourselves or you also may be tempted if you're with this person for too long of a time that load of yours is going to go away and god is not going to be pleased with you kind of just leaving on the side and taking care of someone who doesn't want help because we each have our own load we each have our own purpose that god wants us to live out so we need patience to restore somebody we need humility to restore somebody and we need a pure heart to restore somebody. And it's not by any means an easy thing for us to do. Paul Paul spends a good chunk of scripture just talking about how to restore somebody. It's something that a lot of us might even just look over, like, yeah, I'll just pray for them, you know? But well, we find out here, it's much more than that, you know? And if we understand what, what Paul is saying here, if we understand what the Word of God is speaking to us in that aspect, how important it is for us to know how to bring after they've fallen, we, are get, we get to be used in such a, a, a greater manner. We get to be used by God in ways that we can't imagine. And he finishes in verse 6. He says, Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word share all things with their instructor. And at first, that kind of seems like that verse doesn't belong there. Like, what are you talking about, Paul? Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. He was making no mention of of receiving instruction in the Word. He was making no mention of anyone being a teacher or an instructor. So why is this verse there? As a body of Christ, in a church setting, who is our instructor? A physical person. Who is our instructor? Pastor, right? He is our instructor in in a church setting, in a a group. And common ground, more specifically, in more... Uh, a smaller aspect our instructor would be Luis because God put him as the head of the ministry right so Paul is saying nevertheless meaning even if you do all these good things if you are great in patience if you are great in humility and if you are great in having a pure heart when you want to restore someone he says nevertheless the one who receives instruction or the one who is being discipled or the one who is being taught in the church or whether you are being taught by the pastor or whether you're being taught by louise or whether you're being taught by an actual disciple or someone looking over you the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor you know to boil it all down we go back to humility saying don't use the fact that you are being used by god in such a great blessing don't use the fact that you are producing so many good fruits in not only your life but in the life of others don't use that as a fact to exalt yourself in a place where you don't belong because you were taught how to do that by your instructor. You were taught how to do that by the pastor that God placed in your life. You were taught how to do that by the, by the youth pastor that God placed in your life. You were taught how to do that by God himself. So you are no one to lift yourself up in a way where you don't need your instructor anymore. That's why he, he closes the section saying, nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Don't get, you know what he's saying? Like, don't get cocky. Share the good news with your instructor because the same way that you received the instruction from him, he also received instruction from someone above him to help you become who you are. It's like this whole chain of people teaching him, of people teaching someone below them and someone below them and someone below them and it eventually got trickled down to you and now you're this amazing blessing. Share that blessing with your pastor because it will bless him tremendously. And a lot of you guys know that I was a part of a different church before coming to La Promesa and that. Um, the Lord obviously called me out for very good reasons, but I grew so much there. You know, as as a as a young believer, as someone who had just accepted Christ, that was my that was my my home church, my first home church, and I grew tremendously. But not because of my own ambition, not because of my own character, because of the patience that one of my youth leaders had on me. His name was Oscar Oscar Manji, and uh, he's he was such a blessing in my life. When I left the church. I, remembered lots of things that he taught me through the word lots of ways that i needed to humble myself in order to be who i was today or who i am today and years after i had left the church i reached out to him i called him i said hey oscar i just want to let you know man like i'm so blessed by how you were patient with me how you took your time to teach me and raise me up when i was arrogant when i was cocky when i didn't even want your help you stopped what you were doing to help me out and now because of how the god has used you like i would share with ministry that i'm involved in the opportunities that god has given me through ministry worship and, and and preaching the word and it blessed him so much he literally told me he's like man you got, you don't you don't believe how much like you won't believe how much you bless me right now by telling me that like you're not here you're not a part of it, but i know that god had you here for a reason and thank you for reaching out to me you know how much could i have been um prideful and say you know like ever since i left that church like i've been growing so much i so, like forget them Like No, because I have to remember that I also received instruction from somebody. No matter how much good I do for the Lord, no matter how much good you do for the Lord, you have someone who has helped bring you there. And if it isn't the pastor, if it isn't the youth pastor, if it isn't your mom or your dad or or someone you know, it's God. Even if it's not a physical person, it's the Lord who has made you who you are today. And without him, you would be nothing. If you guys want to turn to John chapter 15, As we close, without him, we are nothing. John chapter 15, we're gonna read from, uh, we're just gonna read one verse, verse five. John 15, verse five. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing so no matter how much fruit we are producing no matter how much patience we have with somebody no matter how much humility we have established no matter how much of a pure heart we have gained over our walks with the lord we know because jesus tells us that without jesus we are nothing that would be nothing without jesus we would be nothing without jesus because he is vine, and we're the branches receiving the nutrients for him and paul always paints this picture of are you in regards to God? Where are you in your relationship with the Lord? Are you near to him? or Are you far from him? Are you indulging in your acts of flesh? Are you indulging in your own temptations? Are you indulging yourself in the fruits of the spirit by saying yes to God and no to yourself? I want want to ask you guys, where are you guys at? Where are you in your relationship with God? Where are you with um, working on your pride or working on having a pure heart or working on your patience, where are you at? Because that's going to determine how well God is going to use you. We all must examine ourselves, give ourselves a heart check, and really give that to God and say, Lord, what do I need to work on? What am I missing? What am I messing up on that I can improve so that I'm not a stumbling block? So that when I try to help somebody, when I try to restore somebody, it's more than just a prayer. It's more than just sending them a verse and hoping them well. I, I can actually make a difference in somebody's life. God, how can I be a better follower of your name? You know, where are we in our relationship with God? Let's pray. Father, we just, we just come before you, God, humbled, and asking God for forgiveness and what we've done against you, and how we've turned away from you, God. And I pray that for the things that you are putting in our heart now, God, with with our own heart checks, with our own self-examinations, Lord, that you reveal to us what it is that you want us to change, that you reveal to us how it is that you want us to change, God. Because our desire is to be with you, Lord. You tell us that apart from you, we can do nothing, God, so our desire is to be with you. We don't want to be where we want to be, God. We want to be where you want us to be that's our prayer, Lord, so help us grow. Help us be these, these children of your name that reach out to you every single day so that we can reach out to others who need it, God. More than just extending an arm, more than just extending a prayer or a verse, God, allow us to be humble enough to get down on our knees, flat on our stomachs, God, to reach down and pull those who need it up. Because in doing so, God, you say that we fulfill your law. We fulfill the law of Christ in denying our flesh and doing what it is that you want us to do, God. So help restore us, Lord, so that we can restore others. And thank you for doing all that you could to make sure we are well, God. For doing all that you can to make sure that we are well. You never leave us and you never forsake us, God. And I pray that our mentality would be the same, to never leave you and to never forsake you, God. In your name we pray. Amen.
1: All right, guys, um, just a quick announcement. Uh, we take a book, leave a book. If you guys see in the back that we have a bunch of books. Uh, if you have a, uh, a faith-based book, feel free to bring it and swap it out for one there. That's kind of your ticket to, to borrow one. If you don't have one, you want to borrow one, let me know, and uh, you're more than free to, more, more than welcome to, to borrow one. Um, another announcement, I will not be here next week. I will be in Texas uh, attending a church leadership conference. Uh, So if you guys could pray for me, that would be awesome. Uh, You will be in the more than capable hands of Noel. uh, And we will be continuing our study in the book of Galatians. So, uh, well, with that said, uh, how about Justin Bieber singing worship at Coachella? What's up with that, guys? guys? You guys hear about that? Kind of like he wasn't like performing like like all the other like people at Coachella, but they had like a little side church service at the event. So technically, <laughs> uh, but anyway, guys, Justin Bieber at Coachella, pretty cool. Any any other cool Christian celebrity updates that you guys might have heard of? Huh? What about Tori Kelly? <laughs> she just she's, yeah <laughs> all right she's cool too yeah <laughs> yeah all right guys so uh we're in Galatians chapter 5 verses 1 through 12 uh just quick recap summary of where where we've been and and what what direction we're heading <clears throat> this this was written to a group of churches in this in the region known of as Galatia uh, nearly 2,000 years ago it was written uh, by a man named paul uh and he's writing to the church cuz there's something really serious happening there, there's these people that are coming in and they're they're confusing them about like what what they should be believing in everything and and it's a really serious issue that paul has to deal with because it's not just one church it's like a bunch of churches it's like like all of the churches in the city of downey all of a sudden like you know we, we start preaching some crazy weird stuff and, and and someone has to come and correct it uh this is what's happening right here with the apostle paul and then before we dive into the text i have a quick brief Quick, brief, yeah. Uh, Store a story for you guys. It is quick and brief, very short. Uh, but nonetheless, you guys know I have a dog. His name is Goku. He's a, he's a nice dog. He's a multi poodle multi is, is that what you call it? Something like that. Okay. His mom's a poodle, um, <laughs> and uh, he's a funny dog. He's he's very needy. He every time we come home, he cries so that we pet him, and he's he's just always like looking for attention or whatever and we leave and he goes to the window and he's like he's like looking at us all like like bro i can't believe like you didn't take me you know uh and the other day he did something uh kind of strange i was sitting at the kitchen table i was actually working on this bible study uh so i'm there i'm, I'm at the i'm at the kitchen table uh, and i hear him he, and he starts making this weird noise and i'm just kind of like and i was home alone and i was just kind of like like what is that and i remembered i had heard it in the past And I got up and I ran to the door and I opened the door because I was like, this guy's going to throw up. And so I was like, oh, no. And so by the time I get to the door and I open it, I look and he threw up. And I was just like, no, that's gross. So I open the door. and He runs outside because he gets scared because he thinks I'm going to hit him for throwing up. Uh, So I go to the kitchen, I grab some napkins and I clean it up or whatever. I left the door open so he could come back in because I was like, bro, I'm not mad at you. You probably ate something. It's all good. It happens. You get food poisoning, you know, whatever. Uh, and so, and so I, 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 clean, I wipe it up or whatever, and then I go and I throw away the napkins, and I come back, and I see, and he, he's in the spot that I had just cleaned up, and he's licking the floor, and I was like, bro, that is the grossest thing ever, like, how could you do that, like, how could you, how, like, why, why, like, why would this dog, like, he realized, like, he just threw up, and he realized he was going to get in trouble for it, and he runs outside, and I leave, and it's been like 10 seconds, and he comes back, and he starts licking the area that he threw up, and it was really, really gross, uh, but the fact of the matter is is that this truth is actually expressed in the Bible in proverbs chapter twenty six verse eleven that says as a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his folly, in other words. The same way that my dog came and licked the area where he threw up, the, the same thing, it's the, it's the exact same thing when, when you go back to doing things that are harmful for you that God tells you not to do. And what's happening is that the Galatian church, they were on the verge, they, they were like this close to, to going back to a way of life that was no good for them. Uh, after they had been doing so well. And so, unfortunately, this is often the case for for a lot of us Christians today who want to fall back into the same way of life, whatever that might be. Uh, Think of it it in terms like this, like a a dog returns to his vomit. It's very, very serious, and it's gross. Uh, And so the the Apostle Paul, he begins in chapter 5, and this is what he says, verse 1. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Well, he, he, he's, he's, he's saying two things here in this sentence. Uh, and uh, actually, my first point for us tonight is uh, don't turn back don't, or, or don't go back. Uh, the Apostle Paul, in, in, in the first sentence here, he says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Basically, he's saying you've been set free so that you could be free. So it's kind of like, what, what are you talking about? I've been set free so I can be free. And, and so Paul is saying, not to be free to do whatever you want to do, but you're free now to have a relationship with God. You've been set free from what separates you from God, which is your sin. You've been set free from the consequences of sin, which is death. And you've been set free from the lie that you could somehow earn God's forgiveness when in reality it's been paid for on the cross 2,000 years ago. And then he says, Stand firm. He's saying, don't go back to your old way of life. For the Galatians, it was falling under a heavy burden of obeying every single last ritual to try to earn God's forgiveness. And the fact of the matter is is that some of us might have been slaves to something at some point in our lives. Maybe we're slaves to something right now, whether it's lust, pornography, or sex, whether that's thinking, when when am I gonna get that time to look at those images on the screen again? When when am I gonna get that time to to sleep with someone who's not my husband or my wife, or, or, or maybe alcohol? Where where we're thinking maybe, or or maybe in the past we were thinking like, when's the next time I'm going to get hammered and get blackout drunk and wake up hungover the next day and then do it all over again the next weekend? Maybe it's money for some of us. Maybe some people are slaves to money thinking just one more dollar, if I could just get one more dollar, one more dollar, as, as, I, as I move through life, thinking to myself, like if I could just get one more dollar so that I can buy all of these things that make me happy, maybe then I will really be happy. Or maybe some of us are, are slaves to the approval of others, thinking like, if I'm just funny enough, if I'm just nice enough, if I dress cool enough, if I do this enough, people will like me and people will accept me. And, and the list goes on and on and on. And the fact of the matter is, is that either you're slaves slave to something now or you, or you once were. And, and the, the point that Paul is making here is saying, don't let yourself become a slave again because you've been set free. And what, what I want us to know, just as Paul wanted them to know, is that whenever you're tempted to go back to your old way of life, or whether it's, it's right there in front of you, Paul is saying to remind yourself Jesus is better. And and, and now he's, he's going, he begins to go into detail about what the Galatians were, were trying to turn back to. Uh, if we look at verses two through six, he says, mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So what he's explaining here is that these churches, right, someone was coming in and confusing them, and they were trying to put all of these rituals onto their Christianity that really wasn't gonna get them anywhere. That for them it was it was it was the ritual of circumcision and 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 a lot of other things. And Paul's like, if you want to do that, you gotta follow all the rituals, not just that one. Because You got to be fair at your own game. And the the fact of the matter is, though, is that any rituals that these people wanted to do, it was on the past before Jesus that it was supposed to point people to Jesus. But then Jesus came. So those rituals weren't necessary anymore, because now that we had the real deal. And so these people, known of as, they're known of as the Judaizers, right? Uh, they're, they're, they were convinced that you performing some sort of ritual or some sort of act could get you closer to God. They were trying to achieve a spiritual status by, by, by performing a ritual. And so whether that was trying to help God and earn his forgiveness or, or, or trying to be more spiritual, the fact of the matter is, is that rituals don't accomplish anything for you because anyone can perform a ritual. That, that's not a true sign of whether or not someone really believes. In Paul's time, and any, any guy could get circumcised. Even today, any, anyone could get circumcised. Anyone can show up to church. Anyone can get baptized or, or participate in church activities, help out. Uh, it's not very hard to, to drink the juice and eat the cracker. You know what's hard, though? Love. Loving is hard. And that's my second point for us tonight. Uh, love trumps religion. Uh, I, I don't think it's, it's really all that impressive if, if someone has uh, perfect church attendance or if they do all of the churchy things. Uh, the fact of the matter is is that I know people at work who are more disciplined than me, more educated than I. I mean, you name it. All of that stuff, that's, that's, not, that's not really how you, how you can measure whether or not someone actually believes what we say we believe. But you know what's hard? To say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What's impressive is to be incredibly patient when someone is pushing your buttons, to be kind when people do things that that piss you off or or make you angry, or to not envy when others get what you want, to not boast about what you have, to set aside your pride for the sake of another person's well-being, to keep no record of wrongs, to not dishonor, to not be self-seeking, to not be easily angered, to rejoice with the truth, to protect, to trust, to hope, and to persevere. These things are what counts. Why? Because the fact of the matter is that you can't fake that. You can't fake these things. It takes a real faith in a real Jesus to be able to love the way he calls us to love. And so if we want to know if someone's really spiritual or not, it's not by the rituals or by how well we quote-unquote follow the rules, but by how well we respond to what we know about the word of God. The truth is, is that love is faith in action. And so when we, we come to church, we come because we're convinced that Jesus rose from the dead and that he forgave us of our sins. We, we come and we, we celebrate and, and we sing and we learn more about God so that we can learn how to love, not, not to perform some rituals. Faith in action, or in other words, love, is us actually being the church, not just going to church. Faith in action is what turns the world upside down, not performing rituals. I don't know about you guys, but I've never seen any rituals just turn a city upside down with the love of God. And so at the end of verse 6, Paul, he packed a punch with that one sentence. He said, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Because again, love is an action. And he reminds the Galatians that they were doing such a good job, just like he did in chapter 4. And he's like, what happened? Paul asks, he's saying, "Well, well, what happened? Someone's clearly confusing you. Someone's influencing you in the wrong way. So let's read verses 7 through 12. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way, and emasculate themselves. What, what Paul is saying, like I said, is he's reminding them. He's like, hey, remember, remember how good you guys were doing? And he does that again. In, uh, actually, he does that in chapter 4. And he says, like, man, like, you guys were so on fire for God that if it would have been possible for you to like, pluck out your own eyes and give them to me, I know you would have done so. So what happened? Someone came in, and all of a sudden they're confusing you and getting you to doubt what you really believe in. And, that, and now they're, they're, they're trying to get you to turn to a way of life that is no good for you at all. And yet somehow some way paul still trusts that god would take care of the problem uh he he says god that god's going to correct the person that was causing all of the trouble uh and and that god would lead the 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 galatians to make the right decision And, and in a way this reminds me of philippians 1 6 that says being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it into the day of christ jesus that was philippians 1 6. And so my my last point, my third point for us tonight is God finishes what he starts. By by verse 11, Paul is saying like, hold on, if these guys are saying that I'm preaching what they're preaching, why are they persecuting me? Why are they getting you to doubt what I told you or what I'm telling you? He's saying I wouldn't have any enemies if we were on the same page about this. So clearly one of us is wrong. And Paul's like, it ain't going to be me. And even today, we see people that try to preach things that, that, uh, that go against... Uh, what, what we believe, there, there are a lot of false doctrines. And, and I don't know about you guys, if you've ever encountered where like you try to share with someone what you believe and they just oppose you and they just feel like, no, and like somehow, some way, like all of a sudden you realize like, I kind of made an enemy here, like what what's going on? Uh, and, and the fact of the matter is, is that uh, today in AIDS, there's just a lot of ideas out there, a lot of worldviews, a lot of a lot of religions, a lot of faiths. Uh, and so I'm, I'm gonna point out just, just a few uh, ideas that I've come across. Uh, that, that people have challenged me for. And so one of them is love is, uh, love, is love, right? Uh, good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. Or you have to be baptized to be saved. You have to be baptized to get into heaven. Or all roads lead to God. And these are just a few of the ones that I've encountered. And I, I, I don't think I'll have the time tonight to, to go one by one and, and explain them. But, but uh, he, here's the thing is that uh, people... Don't, for some reason, people don't like the truth of Christianity sometimes. Because the truth of Christianity is not just that God loves you, not just that, that, that God wants the best for you, but the truth of Christianity is also that we have sinned against God and that we have failed God. Nobody likes being told that they're a sinner. People are like, no, 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 we're all good people. And, 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 and that's what we preach isn't always what people want to hear. But if it's the truth, how can we not? people don't like hearing the fact that you can't save yourself, that there's absolutely nothing that you can do, no amount of good things that you could pile up that will get you into heaven. People don't like hearing that. But the message of Christianity that Paul is preaching that that these people are trying to confuse these churches about that Paul has spent Four chapters explaining is he's saying that like, yeah, you've sinned and there's absolutely nothing you can do to earn God's forgiveness. But check this out, that God sent his son Jesus when you didn't deserve it to die for your sins on the cross. And he raised them from the dead so that if you trust in what he did for you, you will be forgiven. Not based on anything that you do, but based on your trust in what he did for you. God has purchased the opportunity and the possibility for us to spend eternity with him, to be with him forever. And forever means forever when the Bible says it. And so these people, like I said, they, they were called the Judaizers. They 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 felt the need to, to, to go and, and 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 lead these churches astray and confuse them. But at the end of the day, Paul, he's like, he's like, honestly, I just wish these people would go away. In verse 12. Paul literally says, like, not only do I wish it would go away, literally he's saying, kill yourself. And that sounds really harsh. That's kind of like, whoa, the Bible says, why would the Bible say that? Why would, why would Paul say that that's really mean? But the fact of the matter is that Paul knew that God would take care of the problem. And, and if you guys, uh, you, you don't have to turn there. But in Matthew chapter 18, verse 6, Jesus says, if anyone causes one of these little ones, Those who believe in me. So the little ones means to Jesus, those who believe in him, aka Christians. He says, if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. What? Drop the mic, walk off stage, right? No, but... Like, this is like a really serious thing. Why, why is it? Why, why does Jesus make this like such a serious, I guess you could say, threat in causing, in, 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 in when people cause uh, Christians to stumble? Why is that? Because you don't mess with God's children. It would be better for these people to, to just leave these churches alone and even die a really nasty death than to face the wrath of God because the wrath of God is a terrifying Thing. God has said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. That's a scary thing. It, it would be better to just die a really ugly death than to fall into the hands of the living God to take vengeance. And the fact of the matter is, is that I can't tell you how many times people have influenced, I think not just me, but a lot of Christians to, to do things that we know God doesn't want us to do. Simply because they know we're Christians. Some of the things, are, come on, live a little, like, una vez ha año no hace daño, like, stop being such a goody two-shoes, and, and the, list, the list goes on of, of what people try to get you to do, whether you're, you're in college or, or, or school or not, or at work, even in our own family with our neighbors, you name it, is that they, they find out, like, this guy's a Christian, like, oh, we gotta corrupt him. Do you know what Jesus says if you try to do that? And this is what Paul is saying, is, is, that, is that he's saying, like, man, like, you, like, it would be better for these guys to just leave or even die because you don't want to fall into the hands of God. Do you know how God sees this? This would be like, th- think, think of it like this. Would you guys expose a child to pornography? Would, would you teach a child how to kill people? Would you make a child get drunk? I'm pretty sure everyone's answer in here would be no. If it was yes, please talk to me after and we can find you some counseling. But all of a sudden, it's not so appealing, right? In, in hearing what I just told you guys about what to do to a child, this is how God sees the world weighing down on his children. This is how God saw these Judaizers confusing the Galatians and why Paul is so on fire and upset about what's happening here. And this could very well be what's happening in our society. Maybe even in our own church. I, I, I'm, I'm not saying that it is, but it could be. And let me tell you guys that is absolutely not the loving thing to do. And so as, as we we wrap up this uh, this message for us tonight, um, I always I love asking myself questions, as, as, and, and and sharing with you guys these questions. You know, where do we stand? Are we going back to our old way of life? Like, is it something that we're seriously contemplating? Is it something that that we just might feel the need to, like, I'm just going to go back to what I used to do because I remember, like, it was so easy to do it and this and that. Uh, Or here's another one. Is our faith expressing itself in love? Is our faith actually in action or is it not? The Bible gives a very clear and accurate definition of what love is and actions being patient and kind and, and, and all of these things or uh, here's another one are we convinced that God will finish what he started even when we get sidetracked for his season even when people sidetrack us are we convinced that God will finish what he started in in ourselves in our brothers and sisters and the fact of the matter is the truth of everything, all of this hangs on, on, on the idea that Jesus paid the price for our sins on the cross, that God raised them from the dead. He showed the ultimate act of love so that we don't have to earn it anymore because we simply can't. Because God said, hey, just receive it by faith. Everything's been done for you. All you have to do is trust. Romans 10:9 says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be forgiven. You will be secured a spot in heaven, not because of anything that you do or have done, but because of what Jesus did for you. And that's where the Christian life starts, by faith in what Jesus did for you. And that's how the Christian life continues, by faith in what Jesus did for you. By faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself up for us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity, the privilege, and the honor to come here and and preach your word, Father. Uh, I I know that there are so many truths that that we can pull out of it, Father, and, and you shared with us three, Lord to not turn back to our old way of life, Father. Father, you don't want us to be like dogs who return to their own vomit. Father, you want us to believe in what you've done for us in the good news, God, that you paid for our sins through Jesus on the cross. And you want us to express our faith in action, Father. Help us to express our faith in action, Lord. And help us to believe that you will finish what you started, God. Help us to believe, Father, that if you started a good work, if, if, if we came to trust in you, that, God, you will carry it on to completion, that you will make us more like Jesus every day, that you will help us to keep loving. You will help us to not turn back to our old way of life, Lord. Help us to build one another up, Father, and, and be patient and, and be kind and, and, and humble and not boast and not be proud, Father, to always trust and hope and persevere, Father because we can't do it without you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.